In Her Words is a sub-series from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories of women who have survived unspeakable pains and triumphed. Women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. This week's story comes from a listener who reached out to me some weeks back, wanting to share her story. A newly single mother of one, she had suffered emotional abuse from her ex-husband for years, not knowing that such abuse counted as domestic violence. Today, she's safer and happier, but faces new challenges like co-parenting and coping with the fear of raising her son the wrong way. This is her story. Hi, I'm a single mom, and I recently left my husband because he was emotionally abusive. I decided to leave for the sake of my own mental health and for the sake of my son. I definitely didn't see that, foresee that I would be in this situation. We've been dating since, you know, we met in school and we've been together for so long, pretty much my entire adult life. And I I feel like we kind of like grew together as a couple, as individuals. But somewhere along the way, things felt like it changed. We are both very opinionated. We have very strong personalities. And I guess it it felt like it was part of the makeup of our relationship, Mm -hmm. that we would always be having these debates. Mm -hmm. Like it was even just something that our friends were like, ah yeah, you know, the two of them are always going on and about Mm -hmm. (laughs) something or other. So that's why I think for the longest time it... You know, I questioned if he was abusive because it was confusing mm. to see that, you know, no, like he's not controlling me. I still have my voice. But what was happening was that, you know, he was actually putting me down pri- privately, in, in, in private. So it, it, w- it wouldn't happen in front of other people. It only happened in private. And it will always end at the point where he would say something that he hit me below the belt. Say so something very personal, so painful that I just don't want to continue the argument and then I will just, you know, um, walk away or just say, let's just continue this later. He would make comments about the things that I ate. Like, are you sure you want to eat that? Do you even care about how you look like? You know, so-and-so is exercising and she looks so good and... Like, why can't you be more like her? I still couldn't help but let it get to me. Because, like, you know, just that that doubt would just slowly, slowly creep in. Mm. He said it so often that it just, yeah, it made me start to ask myself, should I eat this cookie? Mm. Should I look more like this, this person? We each have different sort of careers. Mine's a little bit more creative. His is a little bit more, um, he's a professional. Mm. So he would kind of put down my work. And say like, if you left it to me, I could, I would be able to do it myself, long. Like I would be able to do what you can do. It always turns into a, but he could also do it, or he could do it better. After we had our boy, I think the abuse just really like took a big turn, and it got very direct. It 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 it, it just became things like, you are so incompetent. You can't do anything. Like, why can't you just get it right? What kind of mother are you? It's so difficult to just keep hearing that I'm already feeling inadequate as a new mom. 
I'm already tired, stressed, sleep deprived, exhausted. And then, you know, for him to come and like attack me, yeah, it was just very difficult. I still excuse the behavior because I was thinking, oh, yeah, maybe he's just stressed at being a new dad, like responsibilities and stuff. So I kind of blocked him out and I just like said, you know what, just let me deal with it. And I just went on with mm. figuring out how to parent by myself. And he focused on work. Mm. And then, you know, so then it became more like a, oh, yeah, you know, I'm here I am, like, bringing home the bacon, bringing the money. And then, so cliche, this question. But yeah, yeah what do you do all day? And why so difficult? But maybe because it happened when I was parenting. So in a way, even though the abuse was at its worst, I had to be very protective of myself. I had to have very strong sort of self-preservation because I have this child mm. that's under my care. So it's like I cannot afford to break down. And the, the harder I, f I fought to sort of stay up, the more he kept trying to like put me down and attack me. Until it just got super ridiculous, like to the point that I'm like, what's going on? Why is it that that's all you're doing? Like, how come our relationship has been reduced to this state? He was starting to throw things in the house. It used to be just throwing things at, say, like the door or the wall. And the things just started landing closer and closer to me. Before that, he would come home drunk and then throw things around the house. But... This incident was very scary because it happened when he was not drunk. Mm. So I was like, oh shit, that means it's him. Eh. I can't even blame it on the alcohol anymore. Yeah. Even at that point, I didn't even realize that it was abuse. I just saw it as he was out of control and he needed help. And I told myself, oh, so if let's say my husband uh, got into a car accident and suddenly became crippled, I wouldn't abandon him, right? Mm. So I saw it in that same frame. Mm the same light and I told my friends that that's why I'm staying on and then one and then one friend said yeah but even if your husband is in a wheelchair and he's telling you things like you're useless you're lousy that's also still wrong what and I was like oh yeah that's true I think for me the last straw was when he started saying things to our son so it used to be very just between him and I just in private to the point that I actually stopped being in the same room with him. I would just end up putting our son to bed and just end up falling asleep there. But actually, I'm just avoiding him. So he would then come inside the room and like purposely like, you know, my son is sleeping. And then he would just open the door and like, so you're just going to fall asleep here again, is it? You don't care about me, is it? Then my son would wake up and he start saying things to my boy like, uh, now mommy only cares about you, she doesn't care about me. And then the more I tried to stop that, the more he would escalate mm. and say like, you have forgotten how to be a wife. He just started shouting at me and insulting me in front of, of, of our son. And I think so as, as recent as last year, so last year our son was about four. You know, actually as soon as he was three, like he had been witnessing all these um, aggression. And my son would actually stand in front of me and sort of like put his arms in front of me to kind of like protect me. And I was like, oh, this is not what I want for, for our boy. Like this is not the kind of 
childhood, the kind of life that I want for him. I don't want him to grow up thinking that he has to protect me. Mm. I don't want him to grow up thinking that daddies shout at mummies. I didn't want our son growing up thinking that this is acceptable behaviour. Basically, every single conversation argument is was it just ended up making me feel like questioning myself, um, wondering how to make him feel better, wondering how to de-escalate the situation so that my son does not see us arguing and see him being aggressive. It was so stressful. <laughs> I was just like hyper vigilant all the time, trying to watch out for signs of him becoming emotional, becoming aggressive and but even then I still didn't <laughs> I still didn't even realize that I was a victim of abuse because I didn't realize that all these things that he was doing were actually abusive behaviors. I in my mind I always thought abuse was I imagine it was a husband who controlled his wife, not allowing her to go out, not allowing her to meet other people, controlling finances, controlling who she sees, you know her movements, which he didn't do. All these things were meant to keep me in a weakened or more vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized one day when I was like reading this checklist of what is emotional abuse. And then I was like, you know, on my phone, like checking off. This is all the things that he did. And then it suddenly dawned on me, oh my god, I'm a victim of abuse. The term victim was very ironically empowering because it made me realize that it's not me. It's, it's not my doing. It's being done to me. I had no part to play in this thing happening to me. It's entirely his choice of behavior, his choice of action, his choice of interaction. And, uh, and for me, my part was to sort of realize that I'm perpetuating this cycle. I started to make plans for what I needed to do. I called aware, I spoke to them, told them about what happened to me. I also called PAVE and both of them told me to have a safety plan. So I made my safety plan. My safety plan was to, um, if anything happens, that I go to my mom's house. And I also had this sort of like passcode with my friends. So I think there was this thing, right, that was going around like if you if I text you that I want a walnut brownie, that means I'm in danger. Please mm. call the police and send them to my house. So I had that arrangement with my friends actually. On the day that I left, I actually did feel like I was in danger such that I wanted to call the police. So what happened that day was first thing in the morning and then he started raging at me um, over something very innocuous. It was after a whole week of us being in the house and him being in this very edgy mood. And I spent the entire week just trying to keep him calm. So I was completely burnt out. And I was like, I, I don't know how I can keep doing this. Like, I'm really going to break down already. I felt like I needed to leave. I needed to take action. And I just said I wanted to go to my mom's house. And he didn't let me leave. And I told him that if you don't let me leave, I'm going to call the police. So I just said, look, if you don't want me to call the police, then just let me leave lah. You know, let me go and let me just take a breather. And, you know, I promise I'll come back. 
and we can talk about it again. So on that promise, he let me go. I, I, I packed up, I took my kid and we left. And then once I got to my mom's, then I called him and I said, it's over, I'm not coming back. We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to get notified the second a new episode drops every Tuesday. We teamed up with some friends from Chapter Zero Singapore, a social enterprise by a team of women who advocate for children's rights by supporting the journey of parents who believe in raising children mindfully and respectfully. For all of you young parents, or even if you're not ready to have this conversation, still, listen up. Chapter Zero believes that mindful parenting can help us learn more about ourselves and our unresolved issues in order to break intergenerational cycles of violence, trauma, or any negative patterns of behaviour. They run workshops on respectful parenting, parenting effectiveness training, and nonviolence slash compassionate communication. This is so important because part of the process of understanding yourself really boils down to unpacking your upbringing because everyone is a product of nature and nurture, right? Little tip from Chapter Zero for young parents wondering how they can talk to their children about sensitive topics like racism, inclusivity, sexuality, and body positivity. Communication should be open, authentic, and developmentally appropriate so you can share your values with your children while leaving room for them to be independent thinkers. You can follow them on Facebook at Chapter Zero Singapore and Instagram at Chapter Zero SG or drop them an email at connect at chapterzero.org. Have a thought or comment you'd like to share? Drop us a message on Instagram at somethingprivatepod. That's somethingprivatepod, P-O-D. Or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. Now back to the episode. So actually, I'm in a better place now. Mm. But I still feel a bit disconnected because mentally, I feel safer. I feel more secure. But emotionally, I... I'm very heartbroken because I didn't want to end up being like this. And also, obviously, I loved him a lot. That's why I tried so hard and I fought so hard. But at the end of the day, I cannot sacrifice myself for him. On the part of being divorced and leaving him, I I actually haven't dealt with you know the emotions of what's going to happen to him. I've just sort of parked everything one side first. And maybe I will process it slowly. Lah. But right now, I'm just focusing on myself and on my son. And my friends, they're thinking that I should be happier. Mm. But I'm not necessarily happier. Mm. I'm safer, but mm. I'm not, like, say, joyful or anything. Yeah. Because I'm I'm grieving, grieving for the life I thought I had, the love I had. I thought I had I'm still trying to understand what happened to be honest I mean I was reading this book on healing and it said that the kind of love that uh, the survivor experienced with the abuser it's not that it wasn't love it's just that it's a conditional love so it's up to me now to kind of like find my unconditional love now I have to really, I, I have to earn enough to support me, to support my son. Especially in this COVID situation, uh, very scary to not have financial safety net. Yeah. 
which I don't have anymore now because mm. all my savings I put in a joint account and because I stopped working then we started relying on the savings so that's kind of like also being depleted I'm also relying on my family mm. for support uh, financially as well one of the things that I kind of struggled with was also do I let my son still see him and I think I also realized that my son has a very conflicted relationship with him because he has seen you know the father like lashing out at me but yet they've also had their own moments of like play time I did consult my therapist and my therapist actually said that biological father is irreplaceable and it is if the father is willing to be there and yeah I mean he may not be a super healthy dad or a super great dad but it's it is important that he's there in our son's lives because I grew up with a single parent life of course, I wish for my my son to have, like, two parents. My mom was very sad when, you know, she was very sad to see that I was going through all this. And, of course, she felt, she, she was, like, wondering if, you know, like, what part she had to play in it. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, now you're single like me, you know. Da, 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 da. Uh, it's tough, la. Mm-hmm. I think she knows the struggles of being a single mom. And now I, and now so do I. It's very lonely, uh... But then thinking back also, this is not about what I wish or what I want already. Mm. It's just no choice already. Mm. And it's just for the better. And then what she said to me was that um, you can have a, you know, normal structured family who is dysfunctional. Mm. And you can have a broken family that is actually more functional. Mm. And she said, what you're doing is you're actually making it more functional for your son. So even though it is going to be a difficult transition for him living in a new place, living separately, but it's actually going to be much better for him emotionally, Mm. mentally, and for me as well. And it's so important for me to be in a good place because I'm the one that's bringing him up. So, okay, before this, right, the couples counsel said to us that, you know, the priority of how you take care of yourself is that you care for yourself first, then the marriage comes after that. Mm. Then the children. I have to rescue myself to take care of my son. Mm. So I came across Respectful Parenting. And it's just a community of parents who follow this approach. There are many ways, there are many sort of schools of thought. Mm. They generally follow um, what is called RIE or RI, so they be- which fundamentally believes that children are inherently capable beings. And they are individual, they are already whole individual beings mm-hmm. in the sense that they are not born like empty vessels. Yeah. You are not here to just fill them up. Yeah. They have their own thoughts, their own opinions, their own personality. And so as parents, our role is just to facilitate their, their learning experience and their journey because ultimately it's their life mm. that they're going to lead. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen Five years from now, ten years from now, the world is going to be so different, right? Mm. So if you tell them, be an, for example, in our time or my mom's time, be an accountant or be a lawyer, be a doctor, then you will be set for life, right? Not necessarily so. Mm. What I can do to support my son is to make sure that he knows what are boundaries. Mm. Make sure he knows what is a healthy relationship. Do emotional coaching with him so that he will not be susceptible to or be less susceptible to 
being manipulated or so that he can see like, eh, no, this is wrong. I should not be shouted at. My worst fear is that he will either become a victim like me or become an abuser like his dad. So I'm doing everything I can to show my son what a healthy relationship is like, to teach my son about emotions, about communication, about needs, about feelings. And because I am imagining what a diff- that he's getting a different messaging when he goes over to his dad, so then I have to be extra strong and extra pointed about my messaging. Mm. And also because I feel like society's messaging is also very um, unhealthy in the sense that negative emotions are frowned upon, expressing of emotions are frowned upon. Boundaries are seen as something unpleasant. Like if you say no, you're expected to explain why. Mm. But actually, you, don't, you shouldn't have to explain why. Mm. If you say no means no, lah, mm. right? I do not consent means I do not consent. I don't have to explain to you why. What? Would you say that your present circumstances is something that is frowned upon? I've actually avoided having this conversation with 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 anyone basically because mm. I didn't like the idea of them looking at me and feeling sorry for me. Mm. Actually. Personally, there is still that uncomfortable feeling about be- having been a victim mm. and also having to label him as an abuser. Mm. And then at the same time, I also don't want to be given sorry looks and be seen as a weak person or as a... I don't want to answer annoying questions like, why didn't you leave earlier? Mm. Or didn't you see this when you first got together with him? Mm. It's like, no lah, of course lah. If not, I would have left, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, th- but these are the questions that I ask myself. Mm. Why didn't I leave earlier? I have to answer myself, answer to myself, like, why? But I feel quite hopeful mm. for the future. I don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like, okay, at least now I'm safe. Uh, I know how to manage my son. We have a great relationship. I mean, he's only five, but... He's so expressive and he's so mature for his age. And yeah, I feel quite positive Yeah, for the future. Mm. Although I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> if there was somebody in like a similar situation who needed to hear like some words of encouragement, what yeah. would your advice be? Um, I wanted to be very careful to say that it doesn't mean that because I got out of this situation that anybody can get out of an abusive situation because there's so many factors. Like, I feel very fortunate because I have good friends, I have good family, I have, I had savings mm. to last me through. But I know of so many people that are in situations where they don't have money or they don't have a place to go. And then so then there's so many obstacles stacked up against them. It's very hard. But I guess I would say, please reach out for help to, because you are deserving of help you are deserving to be in a safe space mm. a safe place because it's our basic need safety and security is, is actually so undervalued but it's actually a basic need but also at the same time I know that a lot of victims may also be there's this term called trauma bonding mm. they may be bonded to their abuser and they cannot break out that, of that cycle but if you are aware at all that I'm I'm trapped in this toxic cycle, I don't know how to get out of it, again, you need to get help. You need to reach out for help. 
call a helpline, go to a counsellor, mm. talk to a trusted friend. And the more you hear someone say, no, this is not right, then the more, even even though you're already conditioned to think that this isn't the norm, slowly you can break away from it. Lah. Mm. So if you know someone who is in this situation, I would say, try not to give up on them. Yeah. And don't, don't feel like why have they put themselves in this situation because they didn't. So just try to be there for them and hold space for them. Mm. What would be one piece of advice that you have for girls in your 20s? You are absolutely deserving of love. You absolutely should not be treated with disrespect. Don't care about what anybody else says. Just take care of yourself. Learn to love yourself first so that you don't end up in a toxic relationship mm. and you are enough lah. Mm. you know we are all capable of growing and learning and we may make mistakes but you know what then just learn and move on mm. thanks for tuning in to this week's episode if you are a parent or you're planning on having a child and need some help Chapter Zero Singapore runs great workshops on mindful and respectful parenting you can reach out to them on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Chapter Zero Singapore. As usual, if you guys want to chat, you can reach me on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or email me at nicole at somethingprivate.fm.